1: Nebraska Preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla.
0: You heard a big voice, guy. We welcome you in. I'm not even sure what week this is. It's halfway through the season, roughly. A little over the halfway point. Yeah, six, seven, somewhere somewhere in that range. As uh, well, district games and wins and losses become very, very important here down the stretch. Uh, I welcome in Jacob Padilla. Uh, I'm ODB. They call me Damon. This is uh, Nebraska Preps Post Game, and we are here for you. I was kind of hoping that we wouldn't drop the pod until after the rescheduled Tuesday games, but considering my name is just on the show, I don't control <laughs> anything that happens. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... with. Popu- uh, the studio is pretty popular. It's hard, hard to get in here. <laughs> yeah. Stop being good at what you do out there. These people are utilizing studio time as we kid because we care, man. How how are things? Good, good, good week. Good weekend. Relatively quiet. Not really. <laughs> yeah. There was certainly a lot going on uh, in a lot of Nebraska basketball. Isn't one of them. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's bad. Um, cause, yeah. cause for concern.
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the news: at least seven players tested positive. So those guys are going to be out for a while. So how even it, when you do get cleared to return, how soon will you actually have a full enough team to play? Yeah, so, you're
0: looking at at least probably a couple of weeks. Yeah.
1: So I uh, that means I have more time to uh, dive into the high school basketball. I don't have to worry about watching the Huskers. Yeah.
0: So, Well, hey, listen, that's going to be somebody's gain. I mean, we'll get to Mitchell and his 40 point output again. There aren't a lot of people around the state of Nebraska. Covering all gamuts of high school basketball, which, well, in particular you, (laughs) we do here at Nebraska Sports Prep, the the post-game show. That's not even really (laughs) post-game. It's pre and post. We'll work on that, right? Semantics.
1: Yeah. I mean... Works a little bit better for football when everybody's playing on the same day for the most part, but we want to keep the brand going. Yeah, Thursday,
0: Friday, it's easy, right? I mean, basketball, and it's one of the cool things about the Metro, and there there are some tough ones, right? I mean, uh, we'll we'll take Papillion, for instance, who play tomorrow. Uh, They go Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, They got Westside tomorrow night on Tuesday. They've got their rival Papio South, and then you've got a weekend tilt, and it's like, I mean, the kids want to play but the ups and downs and and uh, the emotions the physical grind there'll be a lot of teams playing three games in one week this week
1: yeah, and imagine that just like the mental strain like all season you're worried about covid shutting down your team and then you get a snow day on top of that that wipes out a big game for you and now compacts your schedule like you said three tough games in one week especially for a team that's not terribly deep the uh, kind of most of their production right. comes from their kind of starting five and six man um so they uh, It's going to be a tough week, but they'll, <laughs> hey, they've had a tough week every week of the season so far, so they'll get a chance to, again, show themselves, show how much progress they've made from those tough games early on.
0: Before we get too deep into the weeds with, with uh, individual games, uh, let's talk generally speaking. In your opinion, who's most like their record says they are? Papillion La Vista South. Or the Papillion Monarchs, and they'll they'll get a chance to figure it out on Friday when they see one another in that crosstown rivalry. But both teams have had a pretty grueling schedule, hovering around the five hundred mark. Who's who's most like their record says they are? Yeah, I wish you would have saved this question for next week, because then it'd be
1: easy <laughs> to answer. A little <laughs> bit tougher now, but <laughs> I'd probably side with Papillion La Vista just um, just based on kind of the roster makeup and what we're seeing. Uh, 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 for Papio South is kind of the, the deficiencies that we knew coming in that were the big question marks with what they lost from last year. That, that's kind of hurting them right now. Like they've got kind of their main three guys that are um, producing most of their points. And I think I saw their last game, uh, Brocale, Kasut, and Dempsey were the only three that scored yeah. inside the arc. Three guys, only guys that scored inside the arc and only guys that got to the free throw line. So that's going to be tough to live when you're three, four, five are your only guys that are creating most of your offense. So they they got to get a little bit more out of that backcourt. Um, so that's kind of I think Papio um, pretty solid, like one through five. a little bit little bit better balance there. Um, so yeah, I, they
0: got a couple of different ways to skin a cat, right? Yeah. I mean, although you could make the case, uh, and we'll, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. I, you could make the case up to this point. Aiden Graham belongs somewhere in yeah. the discussion of the Metro's most improved. Yeah, and
1: Aiden's a guy that I I coached against him back in middle school when I first started OSA. OSA, um, seeing him kind of rise up through the ranks and get better and better and sh- just shoot up the last year and a half or so height-wise. He used to be yeah, 6'2", maybe. And, yeah, and long, and it's so.
0: Extra wiry. Yeah,
1: so he's, he's been a huge part of – Kind of what they've done last year, obviously, they had uh, big Press and Kellogg inside and they're a little bit more kind of fr- front court focused. The guards, you had Owen McLaughlin kind of as your typical point guard who's not going to score a lot, but going to kind of run the show. Now you uh, insert Graham there into that starting lineup and he's one of your leading scorers, one of your better shooters defensively making some plays as well. It kind of changes the dynamic of who they are as a team compared to where they were last year. Yeah,
0: heck of a story to tell, too. Not necessarily on the same level as turning into a five-star like Hunter Salas, but Aiden was guy just a year ago at this time was double-dipping, playing JV. Um, You know, and you're kind of wondering, oh, my goodness, JV is a junior. It's like, oh, it's blasphemy. (laughs) No, you know, Aiden got his butt in the gym. Yeah stayed with it, gets an opportunity, and, and now we're having this conversation. You know, I always I always tell kids, you know, you never have your mind made up. Whether you're going to be a Hunter Salas and, and maybe not even start on your 8th grade or your ninth grade team for that matter. He I mean, played with a lot of good players. but um, Or a guy like Aiden Graham where it's like your, season, your high school career is not over if your evolution isn't what you had always dreamt it out to be. It's really what you do with it when you're handling the moment. Right, and he's really turned the corner. Now all of a sudden, he's a he's a focal point of the discussion and really integral to what the Monarchs do. Yeah, and it's all about taking advantage of your
1: opportunities as they're presented to you, kind of throughout that that whole process. And sometimes you'll get more opportunities depending on where you are. Sometimes you won't. Uh, I think a big part of that is heading in knowing, okay, here's what this situation looks like. There's some places you can go, and you're going to play early because the school doesn't have other options. Others, you're going to have to work your way up the ranks. And I think that's an important decision for if that's a big part of your school choice, you got to know that going in. So yeah, you can't get there. Call. And uh, that's kind of the thing where you come in expecting to play right away. Say like you go to prep expecting to play right away. That's, that's just not, not, who they, yeah, not who they
0: have been, right? <laughs> so History it, says, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's an older mature bunch and, and that's what they do now. Now, now having said that, so how important are they as we're trying to parse through, You know, basically, we're talking about seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten seems to be a revolving door, right? Grand Island was in, now they're out. Miller West back in. Um, We'll see what we what we think of Gretna. I'm going to get your thoughts on them before we're done here because they're kind of hovering, just hanging around. That nine ten slot is Gretna again. Tough schedule. Um, So, and we'll get to that in a second. But how important are these? these next six, seven days in your opinion between hashing out district seedings and what happens with, let's go all the way down to six, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 and the top 10 rankings. Yeah. And so I think
1: it's pretty clear what the top five is right now, I think at this point. Uh, And then I think you talent wise, you're probably looking at West side and the Papio schools as kind of that six, seven, eight, kind of in that range. Then after that,
0: it's, it's yeah, so 9-10 nine, nine, seems to be like pick, what's happening Pick a team out week. of a hat. Yeah,
1: because uh, you've got so many teams with similar records at similar kind of talent levels where, oh, you can see how they could be good, but then you could also see how where they're going to struggle, and it ends up playing out that way. So they'll have a good week, and then they'll come kind of crashing back to earth the next week. So that's kind of what it is in that entire middle of Class A, I think, right now. We kind of have the, the tiers that have really established themselves at this point, and those Westside and the Papo school, they've got a chance to kind of really establish a themselves big week. as that next tier. Because they got to start getting those wins now. Um, obviously, Westside's a little better off than those other two, but they haven't played quite the same schedule.
0: So. Right. We're still looking for the, you know, I hear it on the streets, obviously, being emotionally invested in yeah. Westside, right? Like, who's your good win? Who's your good win? Well, they'll have a chance this week as they'll get Papillion and then prep on Friday. Was game one a fluke at the Metro Holiday Tournaments? Was that... Was that start? Was that down of the wire kind of basketball game a fluke? Or is that going to be who Westside is? How healthy is Tate Oddbody? For Papillion, you've got Westside tomorrow, or excuse me, Tuesday, and then uh, Papillion La Vista South on Friday. Where are you in terms of that six and four record? And there's Papillion South in that discussion as well, right? That kind of trying to slot and jostle for who's what. So is. After this week, up to this point, and I'll let you get into Pius and Bellevue West because we were there together. Um, it's funny. A guy that loves stats, I confer, I didn't even ask some other people in the building that do this for a job <laughs> as well. I went right to the man because you're one of the few. I, I see this more in baseball because I love high school baseball. I obviously do College World Series. You keep a scores book. You flip like crazy. You don't get distracted texting. You're not. You'll you'll use social media when you can during a game, but the stats and accuracy are important. Before I tweeted out what I thought I <laughs> saw, I conferred with the expert. Wait a minute. Where do you have such and such? Right yeah. in this particular case, it was Chucky Hepburn. But that Bellevue S. Pius game was something else.
1: Yeah. And so, I'll, Pius, I think. In a lot of areas, they played well enough to be in that game. Agreed. They just won the, the turnovers in the third quarter when WS really kind of picked up the pressure. But even then, they kind of battled back, and it was only a six-point game heading into the fourth. The problem was the three-point shooting. They they played well enough. They didn't shoot well enough to win the game. And Pius was 4-21 from three. And uh, your best three-point shooter, Charlie Hoiberg, one of eight.
0: Yeah, shots, and I think you and I talked about this after the game. There was a stretch there. I don't know if it was panic or feeling like you had to match the hot shooting, right? Because obviously Chucky had his stretch in the second quarter where he was perfect from the field. And then Dotzler, Josiah, as that game wore on, really started to get comfortable playing off the ball. Yeah. Getting into the soft spots of that defense and being on the receiving end of – Chucky's brilliance, putting that ball on a string, he he goes perfect from the from the from behind the arc in the fourth quarter, and it's like
1: perfect from everywhere. Didn't <laughs> miss a two or three or a free throw. <laughs> you're like,
0: what is going on here? You know what it was? It was it was good shooting from Bellevue West, and we agreed, if Bellevue West shoots the ball like that, it goes without saying they won't be beat. Most teams won't lose on nights like that, but when you're that good. With getting into the teeth of the defense, and you're that dynamic with other guys like Fiddler and Dotsler, you shoot it like that. It it may be all she wrote,
1: and especially when you're playing without two of your top six players, right? Brown out, Evan in their sixth man, uh, not not able to play either. So you had guys like press Ames step up. You had Jackson Stuby kind of get yeah, that weight off, off the, the side,
0: right? Like knock down a couple. And and I like I, listen. I'm a little I'm a little biased when it comes <laughs> to Jackson Stuby just because. I know the work he puts in, right? Um, I see him work out. I see him train. I see him kind of stay with it. You know, he's leaned out. I don't know if that team as a whole was on a diet, (laughs) but their frames compared to Pius were vastly different. It stuck out like a sore thumb during that one. I actually thought, JP, it may come into play if Bellevue West got into foul trouble because of the physicality that, that Pius can exude on you. Especially and especially with their lack of
1: depth, with uh, um, not having many guys off the bench because of the guys that were missing, and yeah, you, you can definitely tell the Pius has been in the weight room. All, all those guys, uh, especially do, the Hoiberg.
0: Do twins. you believe the story that that's the first time they've lifted weights?
1: That that's that's that was the story that a, our friend Jacob Bigelow was told that one, they they didn't lift before they got to Pius. But you look at them now, and it, I mean they looked amazing. Yeah, and that's kind of how Sam, especially, that's how he had his success, putting his head down, going to the rim, kind of pushing guys out of the way to give himself angles to finish, uh, and just using that strength. So he, he still put up uh, some points, even though uh, the three-point shot wasn't falling for him. So. Let's,
0: let's stay with Pius just for a second, just because I, th- I think they proved that at, at more than a few occasions during that game, they proved that they belong, right? They they weathered the the second quarter on slot, the individual. I think it was a nine zero run that Chucky e. Hepburn himself went on as he went 6-6 from the field, and his 13 points in the second quarter, Finished with 24 points and 13 assists, just another masterful performance. But they only go down at the half by two. And I had the sense that they felt like they controlled the majority of that half. Where do you slot them now that you've seen them against elite-level competition compared to Prep and Central, who for the most part are everybody's three and four?
1: Yeah, I think they're definitely right in there. And all three teams have some guys that maybe aren't as consistent and they don't have the one dominant player like um, go get a bucket guy. Yeah, you. like so Bellevue West and Millard North. Kind of the part of the reason they're as good as they are is because of that one-two tandem that you can count on every game. With they Chucky they, they, they have a, what I call a cut stopper,
0: yeah. and, a guy that can stop the bleeding
1: and and get you by. And then two of them, and then Hunter and Saint for Millard North. I, you don't quite have that level of guy on uh, on Central and uh, Prep and Pius, but you've got. A few different guys that can play that way in any given game. And we saw Sam uh, Hostrider um, kind of stepped up, had a really good game, efficient 17 points, knocked down uh, a couple of threes, finished inside the arc well. You know who I
0: really like? That I, I'm not sure how he's going to fit based on how they play because they can play with pace. They shoot a ton of threes. I really like Dabrakow. Uh, he's capable, he's crafty, he's got good depth around the 10. But it's almost like, okay, what are you giving up with him on the floor in terms of if you like to switch?
1: Well, and that was kind of the issue there is uh, he was really effective and efficient, 4-4 four, four from the field, 8 points, took advantage of the size mismatch because Bellevue West had to play small a lot um, when William Kyle was out of the lineup. And so on that end, he uh, he took advantage of his opportunities. But on the other end, when you're playing against a guy like Chucky Hepburn, he just hunted him relentlessly yeah. <laughs> every single time. They put time. him in those two-man yeah. games. And yep. It
0: was just like... So
1: They made it tough. He's going to be interesting. Not everybody's going to be able to do that against him. I think it's kind of the point where the only, Bellevue West is the only school that has Chucky Hepburn. There's nobody else like him. So there aren't a lot of teams that can identify and pick apart the weakness quite like uh, they can. So,
0: so let me ask you this next question. And this is important because I think they're going to have to figure it out here in a hurry. If you're looking for a next potential cut stopper, Let's start with prep. Is it, is it a Buckley? Is it, is it a Jungers who may not be wired like that but is capable, I think, at times, especially physically? Who's the guy that you think has to be able to quell a run or say, okay, listen, we need a bucket. Go get a bucket.
1: Yeah, it's probably Buckley. What we did see in that in that uh, semifinal was it was Buckley and Justin City both in that backcourt kind yeah, of City's a good athlete. Carried them in the second half, and they played really well, and they were every time they were the ones that had the answer. Um, it's a little bit tougher. You can go through times, play through the post. Um, it kind of depends on the defensive look you're getting. They're against Westside. A.J. Rollins dominated that game. He, he was did. that guy.
0: He took that game over.
1: But that's that hasn't been a consistent thing. Um, so I think it's got, you're going to have to rely on those guys who I think can create the best advantage regardless of situation. But th- that's why prep is so strong is they've got different ways they can beat you depending on who they're playing against.
0: Let's take central, a lot of similar parts. Dawson probably shoots it the best. Does he have to shoot it the most? And if so, is he the guy? that you look at as kind of the cut stopper or is it the denim Johnson? Maybe it's it's the underrated fade Germany. Like who's next up in that gotta have a shot? Is it PJ Davis? Who's who's the guy that can kinda of quell the runs?
1: Yeah, I, I think you you probably have to play through denim and then I think uh, a guy like PJ is more of the kind of advantage scorer where somebody else makes a play and he's the one that finishes it. I think that's where you want versus him trying to be that guy that creates on his own. Um, and Jay, I think, has a little bit more of that on-ball utility that can be that guy at times. But he's probably a, their
0: best shooter yeah, as well.
1: That's, but he's also best on the, the the end of that that catch and shoot. So I think it's a chance where you do play through um, denim and, and Fay. You get guys that can get to the middle of the paint, and then they make the decision whether can we go up or am I kicking it out here to a, a Jay in the corner? And he didn't he didn't make those shots against Miller North, um, and that's why they weren't able to stay in that game as the game went on. They they were really, uh, they did a great job of staying in that game for three quarters, but down the stretch, they couldn't hit enough shots to keep up as Miller North kind of figured things out and finally started scoring a little bit more.
0: So kind of as you're looking at this, um, and you want to make a run, right? You, you got to win four, uh, if I'm doing the math right, <laughs> once you get to wherever they play the state tournament, right? You got to win four. Would you rather have all sevens and eights or would you like to be the team that has some sixes and sevens but has a couple of tens that you can plan a tricky hand
1: yeah i think in that situation the the kind of top end talent matters the most if the supporting cast fits and is solid and reliable enough to allow those guys to be as good as they are if you're a kind of a one or two man team where the other guys, you don't have to worry about them as much. You can send double teams and triple teams as those guys. It's tougher. But if you've got guys that can knock down shots, that can space the floor, then there's really no way that you can guard those, uh, those, those kind of top-tier guys one-on-one. So you're going to be at a disadvantage no matter what. So I think that's kind of what you're looking for. And that's, that's what we see with Miller North and Bellevue West yeah. and why they're the clear top team is they've got those pure alphas and then everybody around them plays their role really well.
0: Who in, in in your opinion, who's next closest to knocking on that that talent door in terms of being able to come at you in different waves? Maybe not and at an elite level, like a Hepburn or a, a, a Salas or um you know, even a St. Thomas or a Frankie Fiddler for that matter, but who's who's got the next keep an eye on okay, they got a good collection of talent that could come at you in waves as well.
1: Hmm, that's a good one, and it, it might be West Side. Um, with
0: they come to mind because of their youth. That's exactly and what I was going to say.
1: Because next Chucky e and Hunter, those guys are moving on. Everybody at West Side's coming back. Yeah, and you've got the freshmen, uh, your son and uh, CJ Mitchell, that are kind of getting their feet wet this year. You expect those guys to make a, a big jump next year, knowing kind of all right, this is what the deal is in varsity basketball. So you've got those, and then even the role players, they're all juniors. So that's, I think, the team that—I expected a little bit more of them coming in here, and I think maybe I was just kind of jumping the gun a little bit because I saw all these guys that I thought are going to end up being really good players. Yeah. Maybe a couple of those guys aren't quite ready to, to play that role right away, losing uh, the guys they did from last year's team. Yeah,
0: they lost their big shot
1: takers. Yeah. And so that puts you— guys in completely different roles, and they're still kind of learning that. But I think th- this experience here, that'll set them up really well for down the stretch this year and then heading into next year too.
0: Yeah, they showed me a little bit against Omaha South, and people may think, oh, you know, Omaha South, you know, what's the big deal? Number one, South plays hard. South was coming off the win against Omaha North. That was where I, that was it there. was <laughs> It was an impressive win. I, You know, I gave all the kudos in the world to Omaha North for the run that they were on and playing well, and South answered the dinner bell and and matched their energy. But West Side played that game without Tate Oddbody. Uh they had made a change in terms of juggling their lineup uh with Dom Rizak, uh swapping out Caleb. I wondered how they were gonna stay on the gas because they're kind they're playing much better as a team. That's why the game tomorrow night for me, playing against an older, experienced, mature grind you out kind of bunch like the monarchs should tell you a lot about where they are in terms of their evolution because whether it's Kyle or Chase or, you know, Luke or Aiden or or, or Joey Hilock, any of these guys, they guard, they touch you, they make life miserable on you. And they're they're a physical bunch. That that that, that game tomorrow is going to tell me a lot. And
1: that is, I guess, kind of the, the upside of these games getting pushed back is this becomes a really educational week because of all the different matches uh, and all the games that we've already talked about, where you've got teams in similar tiers that are trying to kind of fight for. Uh, how about, how about Central up the Miller North? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's, if Central wants to be the team that, that we think they're capable of being, where was the growth from the Metro Holiday tournaments to tomorrow? Right, I mean, because listen, Denham's a senior. Uh, Jaron Marshall, uh, Faye Germany, Germany uh, PJ Davis, just a junior. Uh, Jay Dawson. Um, they they'll get some guys back, but that's that's an older bunch in some key spots. Like now's the time for them,
1: especially with two of those guys transferring in there to play their senior yeah, year did in on Germany. a winning team. So, uh, yeah, th- this is kind of a big moment for them to show, all right, because you need – even if they don't beat them here, you need to kind of give yourself confidence heading – because good chance you see them in the postseason too. Right. So you can't come out here, play them for three quarters, then get uh, get kind of run away in the fourth quarter, come out here, and then you lose by 20 how are you guys feeling heading into round three? You yeah. keep this close, you take it down and stretch, even if you don't win, these guys are going to feel like, hey, we can get these guys. So it's a big game, not only for this, the seedings and the standings and everything, but just confidence-wise about for a team like Central that we see as one of those teams that could potentially knock off one of these top teams.
0: Let me get to a couple of teams here. One in Gretna, kind of poking their head around the the, the back end of this top ten, and Millard West, who for some is kind of they're back in most people's top ten. Um, not real flashy. We've touched on them before. How they make you play basketball. We saw what they did to Grand Island uh, in a game in which somehow Grand Island scored only twenty six points. points.
1: Seems like Isaac Trout's been averaging almost that by himself
0: all season. <laughs> you almost had to click refresh yeah. and 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 take a double take. And I can't wait to watch how how that actually came to fruition, but. How about for that next group on that back end? How important for you are these next three or four games?
1: Yeah, and it's big. Like I said, there are so many teams that have those kind of similar, those hovering around 500, a couple games over, these teams that have played lighter schedules, um, that are maybe playing some tougher teams in the the back half of the season. This is now where we start to see that separation of kind of that third tier, that fourth tier. Who, who belongs in that, that chance where you're going to be a one or two seed um, in, in districts. You, you want to be one of kind of the, those top teams, give yourself a chance to do well heading into the postseason. So this is kind of where we start to see a little bit of that separation because, like we talked about, once you get past six, seven, eight, I mean, you could pick any of, like, ten different teams that could potentially fill out um, that top ten. So th- this week, a team like Gretna you talked about, they're so young. And oh yeah! If they get yeah. a couple big wins under their belt, I think that'll do a lot for them. We talked about the the confidence uh, for Central going against Miller North. Confidence for these guys,
0: especially because um, it's, it's it's four in a row, right? Something like that, yeah. Because yeah, because I, I, they got Bell East, North what, Star seven and four now. Yeah, they got Bell East, Lincoln East, North Star, and they just beat Southwest.
1: Yeah, and they almost beat. They had the pious. On the ropes. Yeah, that they. <laughs> Sam Hoiberg made a big shot down the stretch. Yeah, that
0: ended up being that was a four point game. Yeah, that was a forty to thirty six point game, or a forty to thirty six score game. And you're thinking they're so well coached.
1: Thirty six, thirty five going into there, and then that that three to a uh, second chance three. They missed a couple opportunities, got it back, and he hit the big shot, and then got a stop, but. Um, so that's – uh, it kind of shows you what they're capable of, especially in their home playing the way they do. Um, so they've got – there are a few – Landon Pekorski, Um I, I only saw Gretna play once in person this season. I yeah. looked a little bit on streams at times. Um, but Landon Pikorsky is one of kind of three um, guys averaging double figures on kind of area teams um, and he's a really impressive player. Um, you can see he's got a feel for how to create shots for himself and for others. He can shoot the ball, kind of good athlete. Um, Ricky Lofton from South is another. Hey, yeah, you're than,
0: talking yeah. now. You're into the freshman category yeah. now, right? Pakorski's yep. one. Ricky Lofton, another who. And I told him this yesterday. His little brother, or on Sunday, uh, his little brother plays for my youngest son's team. And I, I stopped him. He's sitting there, kind of just minding his own business. I said, "Hey, there's two things that I love about your game. Number one." He's limited his turnovers. He's taken better care of the basketball, and he's matured a little bit since his middle school days. Number two, based on his body language, I never know what the score of the game is. He has he has come a long way in terms of head down grinding. He's he he impressed me. He wasn't afraid to yeah. take or make tough shots. He he's come a long way in the growth of his game.
1: Yeah, I saw him play um, a little bit during the summer this past year. Um, kind of caught my eye there. Uh, that north game the first time i saw him play in person at the high school level and he was really impressive shot the ball really well does not
0: lack confidence no. either. shooting around ne- neither he he, he nor Prokorsky. yeah exactly. <laughs> both <laughs> those guys will be fine uh, porcorsky's another guy you start getting into these freshmen they're in my wheelhouse because yeah. i've seen them play since i mean they've been nine ten eleven years old yeah. right it's we're, we've been on the same grade
1: yeah so um lofton about 40% from three, double-digit score. Marcus Glock at Wahoo on a, a
0: quality another good, program. Another good player.
1: Playing right away as a freshman, averaging about 12 a game. Um, real Just smooth, lefty, can shoot the ball, really finish at the line.
0: For you kids listening at home, the one thing that makes Marcus who he is, well, it's two things. Number one, he's ultra-competitive. Two, he can use both hands. He can finish around the rim with both hands. You, you see a lot of the lefty smooth to his game, but you know we, we saw them in the summer for the last three years when he was playing with OSA, and I'm just thinking – you want to push him a certain direction, he'll go that way too. So another guy, you look at his game and you think, not real flashy, but man, is he efficient. And yeah. he competes. You talk about coming from good stock. A lot of that is his mom and dad. Jason doesn't mess around. He, he's a competitive son of a gun.
1: Yep. And at Gretna, we talked about, of course, obviously is kind of the main guy, but they're playing so many freshmen. They've got a lot of guys that are bouncing between JV and varsity. But uh, Alex Wilcoxon is uh, one, of the, one of the best shooters. He, I think he's just over fifty yeah, percent. from three this season.
0: And you, you, you Cooper, better touch yes. him and make him put it on the ground. Yep. Um, put it on the floor.
1: And Will Cooper is another one at Millard South who ha- does not lack for confidence. No. he will let it go anywhere, <laughs> and it's got a good chance of going yeah, in. Yeah. So yeah, he
0: will. He will. You, you let him get comfy in that corner without having to put yeah. it on the deck, and he'll he'll dead eye you. He, he will bury you. Yep.
1: So those are. Few of the kind of more productive freshmen in the area. And then you've got guys like your son, Caleb, CJ Mitchell at Miller North or at Westside as well. Jaden Jackson. Uh, yeah,
0: sweet, sweet stroke.
1: Yep, at Bellevue West coming off that bench. Just hit four or five from three, I think, in their last game. Uh, Daleron Thomas starting at North.
0: Really good player.
1: Um, uh, guys like Neil Mosser and Eli Gaith at Miller North that are kind of a lot of these guys that are getting their feet wet at the varsity level this season that you're going to hear a lot from over the next three years. And it's good seeing so many of these guys get a chance to, even if they're not necessarily putting up 10, 15 points a game, they're getting a chance to play, and especially play for some good teams and learn how to wit, play winning basketball.
0: Yeah, and all bias aside, I'll say the one thing I think that is different with Caleb is, with the, all the aforementioned, is what they ask him to do on the defensive end. Yeah. He's I'm the other way. He's got to become a two-way player offensively. Yeah. He's the defensive side of the ball in terms of taking good care of it and being a good rebounder. That part is is kind of a proud papa. Yeah, well, he, he guards.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, um, his offensive game is certainly
0: strong on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he did get that dad. It was very well timed, and you know him, right? Oh, yeah. So like his his personality—that's yeah. that dry rye. Not going to talk a lot, but he he'll doesn't, drop, He doesn't say a ton. But, he'll
1: drop these barbs here and there whenever, yeah, <laughs> whenever the opportunity presents itself.
0: I had to stand up and give him a slow clap. <laughs> uh, if you if you missed that, we, we welcome you to Twitter. Um, <laughs> he's in response to me. I'm at Damon Benning. I can't even remember. I don't even know who he is. I think he's at Caleb Benning 1 or something like that. But you're right. The freshman group, really, really good days ahead. And the cool thing is, is you're talking to two guys that have seen these guys play forever. Yeah. Right? If if you're in a gym, I'm probably not too far behind, and if you're in a gym, you're in a gym. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is what Jacob does. He's one of the best in the business. That's why we love talking to him, because we can get all sorts of I's dotted and T's crossed when it comes to the full repertoire. Uh, we'll get to Class B next week. There'll be some good ones in A this week. That's Nebraska Preps Postgame. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm Damon Benning. Make sure you listen to the pod. Catch us any way you can. Uh, We'll be back next week. It's Nebraska Preps Postgame. A Huda Media Production.